Hello everyone, it's time for another edition and this one is a special edition of the Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast. I, your host, Dr. Jim Hoban, have the chance to meet with cool people doing cool things and this session is extra cool because it's round two. We actually had an incredible visit with these guys, these gentlemen, oh, about a month or so ago and then all of a sudden we had the dreaded data corruption. So they've been kind enough to put us back on their schedule, they're back on and today we're going to talk to the two primary folks of the CARE organization, George Papamathiakis and Ronnie Warda. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, welcome back, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining me once again. Love hanging out with good people, man. So anytime <laughs> you can get together, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Thank you for having us back on. Oh, yes, and, and you know, this becomes so important to me. This was one that I just, it, it could not go left unsaid. Your story couldn't go left untold because of the fact of what you're doing. And all of us have a connection to something in our hearts, right? Some people it's animals, some people it's uh, the earth or water or kids or single moms or whatever. And in the case of you guys at the care organization, it's children and so many different needs that children have. In fact, the name for care, and I wrote it down just so I make sure that I got this because I thought it was really unique and cool, children's aid and relief efforts. So it's more than just one thing. Can you guys give us a little bit of information, background about yourselves, and then about the CARE organization and what it is that you guys are doing for the lives of these beautiful kids in Arizona and beyond? Absolutely, so a little bit about myself, my background. Um, funny enough, I'm a college dropout. I, uh, I grew up in an entrepreneur family and we just learned to work really hard and never quit on our dreams and our goals. And my parents instilled that in me nonstop. So, you know, full circle is we've always wanted to give back because we come from a, you know, an immigrant family and we know what it's like. And to be able to help kids in need is super important. My parents always taught me if you have something to help, always, always give back and help. So full circle, now we have resources, now we have the capability to help more people and that's what we want to do. And what about you, Ronnie? I, uh, so obviously, uh, Ronnie Warda and I, uh, same kind of similar story, a little bit different. Uh, my background has kind of been opposite of college dropout. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of did obviously go to school. My degree is in finance, um, and kind of just worked up the uh, corporate ladder my entire life. Uh, however, you know, I met George about 17 years ago. We've been had a very solid friendship. Uh, our families are really close. And, you know, George kind of with that entrepreneurial mindset pushed me and, and motivated me to to believe in more, you know, and, and to ask for more and to demand more. And uh, my thing is, I've always I felt like, you know, to echo George is that generous heart, you know, to that pure heart to give back to, to other people. And uh, in this world that we live in, as, as we know, as we can see in the news every day and in the media every day, there's so much opportunity out there to, to give back. And, you know, if everybody can just do a little bit, you know, and just do their little piece, it could go a long way. So really, George and I are in the same mindset that, you know, we can't sit back and just be spectators. You know, we need to be put in the game and, and to help out because there's too many children, you know, that don't really have a choice. You know, but we are there to be able to provide the resources that they need to give them a better life. And, you know, whatever we can do to to bring hope and prosperity into these lives of these children, we'll do it all day long. Ah, uh, fellas, that's so good. And with that as the background, now, can you share a little bit about what CARES mission is, what you guys do? What's the vision? How do you help children and so that our, our watchers 
and our, so our viewers and our listeners that they understand right from the get-go exactly what you're doing. Yeah, so we help in many different ways. Right now, we're working with local group homes um, of young girls that were sex trafficked. We help get them Christmas, get them new clothes, um, food, anything that they need to help you know, become whole again is what we, we work and strive to do. And then we also do um, foundations like uh, FOSTA 360, who we just partnered with, who they do uh, back to school programs as well. They do uh, group homes as well. Um, and then Child Crisis Arizona is an educational program where they help underprivileged kids get educated and all the resources they need. So we try to help in every area possible. Um, our long-term goal is to basically build our own hospital to where we can actually fund our own, you know, child crisis to where if they need help, you know, from medicine, surgeries, cancer, um, mental illness, we can help in every area. What was the, the origin story behind this? How did you guys come to decide what the vision was? And, and obviously you, you both have a, a love for taking care of children. How did that coalesce? You know, you talked a little bit about together how, you know, Ronnie, you caught the, the entrepreneurial spirit and you, you both had your own give back spirit, but where did the idea come from to do exactly what it is that you're doing now? So it's, it's a long story, but we'll get to the, the root of it. Basically, my brother's wife had a little sister who had cancer, and this was several, several years ago. And because we had no money, they didn't want to help the kid, which is unacceptable. So my parents didn't know the family, and we reached out to try to help as much as possible. And that's when I was like, wow, the power of helping can really change people's lives. So then we looked at other nonprofits and we've seen how much the CEOs are making these nonprofits. And you have CEOs making a million, two million dollars a year. And then they're turning people away. And I'm like, that's not ethical. That's not why we donate to nonprofits. That's not the mission that they set up to be. So Ronnie and I came together and said, you know what? To hell with all that. Let's recreate a nonprofit to where it's actually what it's meant to be done. And our nonprofit is 100% donated to where us as founders, our board, nobody gets a dollar. 100% of the money we raise goes directly to helping the cause in need. And as far as you know, our vision of it, well, we're entrepreneurs. So our vision always involves. Every year, it, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But that's also because of the support we have. Mm -hmm. You know, the bigger we get, the more people we can help. So how have you guys grown? To explain how this thing started, Ronnie, like, what was that first six to 12 months like? And I know you guys haven't been around for 20 years, but just kind of give, if you would, a little bit of the life cycle and the evolution, because you are big thinkers. I know you guys and having spoken to you on these other occasions, just it's impressed me to think big and go hard. And so give, give me how the, the business has evolved to this point. You know, everything really just honestly starts as a seed, you know, and, and, and that seed was planted by George and I many years ago. Um, whether it be, you know, the unfortunate incidents, you know, with his family or, you know, people not getting the treatment or help that they deserve. Um, we, we, I believe it was actually George was at my house and we were both sitting on the couch and kind of just scrolling through Instagram, you know, looking at different stories. And, you know, there was multiple occasions where we would see kids in like these third world countries that were deprived of just basic needs, like basic human needs. 
whether it be like proper education or, you know, nutritious food to be able to just, you know, survive or, and, and thrive. You know, they didn't have that or they didn't have like even the proper road systems. I, I remember there was this one father that had to basically put his child in a bag basically like this large bag garbage. so that yeah it's like a garbage bag so that he can transport his son and not get uh muddy by the floodwaters because there was no like bridges or transportation or anything like that in his country and we saw a lot of that and i i believe literally like in that moment we just said enough like let's do something about this and, you know, we started off obviously very small. Um, I remember doing, uh, George and I created like the random act of kindness challenge where, you know, we went out there and, you know, did something very nice for people. And then we tagged three more people to do the same thing, you know, so whether it be something like that or working with the local group homes in the area, you know, to provide them those clothes, that shelter, make their Christmases a little bit more special. You know, we, we started off a little small, but, obviously our end goal is to have our outreach be global you know we want to be you know all over the place however we do understand that there's a lot of work to be done in our own backyard here in arizona so we want to make sure that we kind of focus here and then just kind of expand our outreach as you know we start to grow as an organization and as our volunteers start to grow as well and so right now, and I'm going to read, I wrote the mission down because I thought it was really cool. And one thing about a mission is it can either be super narrow or super broad, right? Based on the vision. And the interesting thing with you guys, it's a combination of both. It's a narrow niche with a broad applicability. And so it, here's how I wrote it. To provide children with a safe environment, free from abuse, neglect, poverty, hunger, and illness, by creating a strong and successful group of volunteers to help as many children as possible. I mean, that's big and it's powerful. How have you guys distilled down what parts of that mission that you take on at one time? Do you, do you look at it and say, we have all those buckets and we try to just fill the need as we can, or do you take a look at one bucket at a time and really try to make a dent and get momentum there? What's the, the strategy behind you guys distributing this love and these resources for these children? Great question. So we're starting, that's our whole vision, but we're starting one at a time, right? Because if you do too much widespread, you're not gonna have the resources to do what you really need to do. So right now our main focus is sex trafficking, right? Helping start that whole movement. And once we get that rock and a rolling, we're gonna help go to the next movement of child hunger and depression and all other, all other categories. But right now our main focus is sex trafficking and help getting the resources out there that we need to help grow that part of the, the brand. Did you guys decide on sex trafficking? Cause that's a, for some people, they might not even realize that it's it's an issue or it's a challenge. They might a lot of people might think, well, man, hunger's way worse or lack of education is way worse than sex trafficking. But you guys, as I was going through your website and talking with you, there's some stats that blew my mind, and I want to share those as we go into that part of our conversation. That of all the sex trafficked humans, 20, 27% of them are their children right? 27%. So almost a third of those and 66% of those children are girls, which means that there's a large contingent of young males too, little boys that are, are being subject. So it's not one sex, but it's, it's dominant, it's pervasive across both. And that just in Arizona, there's a rate of 3.11 sex trafficking victims per capita. And that was the one that really 
got to me, 3.11 per capita. Can you guys um, kind of try to encapsulate those stats so the viewer or the listener can understand the impact of what's going on here in trafficking? I think a lot of people, like I said, even with myself, you know, just to be completely transparent, um, was very naive to the, like how big of a problem this really is. Um, especially not really understanding that Arizona is one of the top states for, you know, sex trafficking. Um, and to be honest with you, we do notice it quite a bit. The, the ages um, of these victims vary, like it, the range is, is huge. I mean, what is the, the low end? Like, probably on the low end, like how many years? Like, I mean, there's four or five years old. Yeah, it, and, and, and it could go well into the 20s, you know, like the thing is these children don't really have a choice, you know, and, and they get manipulated, they get uh, exploited, they get, uh, you know, they get taken brainwashed. advantage of and brainwashed because sometimes their self-esteem is already low or they don't know any better. So these, these predators almost kind of just prey on them and uh, try to, like I say, exploit them, tell them what they need to hear, give them that, you know, feel good ego boost to try to, you know, get them to, to do this and, and, and make them feel so small, you know, that they are essentially victims of this disgusting crime. Like I said, there is obviously, like you said, a lot of, you know, things out there that are huge needs, like the hunger and the poverty and all that stuff. But, you know, sex trafficking, it, 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 to me, it, it's, it's something that just absolutely, it's a zero tolerance policy. And it really has to come to a to an end. And I feel like we could make a lot of um, progress, like for a lot of progress, and you know, make a change, especially here in Arizona. What a great point! And as we transition into this tough to talk about topic, one thing cross <coughs> excuse me crossed my mind as you were just talking about that, Ronnie, and that is, I think most people think of someone who's been sex trafficked as they've also been kidnapped. They were taken from, they're like, oh, we're gonna take your kids from Mexico, give them a new home in America, and it's just gonna cost you all this money, and then when you come over, then all of a sudden now they're, they're not with their families. Is that the majority of these folks, or are most of these people that go home to their parents, but they're silently afraid because of being told, hey, if you tell anybody, your family's gonna die or anything like that. How does the population break out amongst these children? Like when you say a lot of them have no choice, can, can you kind of tell their story a little bit? I mean, a lot of it is not just from Mexico. It, yeah. it's, a, it's a huge variety. I mean, I hear more stories coming from parents who are sex trafficking their own kids and aunts and uncles and cousins than the cartels. Wow. It's, it's I mean, the cartels do it too because it's a huge money maker, right? But the root is also here. It's the issue here where it's the parents, you know, and we got to do a better job of educating kids on how to speak up about that, how to say, I need help and how to know what's right and wrong. Because, I mean, we had one kid where her parents tied her up and hung her on a, on a bike rack and let their friends take turns on her. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to share that story, but it, so, it, it is it is very uh, disturbing. Yeah, and but that's out there, right? That's real, and, and for the mo the average person, they don't even think of that as reality, especially not here in America, especially not in beautiful Arizona. But the truth is, this this heinous crime against our future, against these these little treasures of ours, it's everywhere, isn't it? 
It, it, it literally is. And that's, that's what I'm saying. It's a widespread issue. You know, so everybody has to do a little bit of their part and everybody needs to increase the education that these kids and parents and families alike, you know, need to receive so that they're able to uh, wit witness these types of behaviors and be able to put an end to it and to be able to identify it so that they can prevent it from occurring. You know, I've seen videos all, you know, throughout social media and we'll talk about social media as well, but, um, you know, where there's like a car that's like sitting there waiting to abduct this child. I, I saw this one girl that was waiting to get ice cream. And uh, there's this one uh, female who was actually trying to lure this little girl by simply playing with her hair, asking her what kind of flavor ice cream she's getting, you know, trying to friend her up so that she felt comfortable with her. But what's crazy is there's, like I said, she tried to, as soon as she got the ice cream, she was trying to pull her towards the car door and just push her in, close the door and take off. But however, there was somebody there, that, actually the person that was selling the ice cream that identified it and ran to the aid of this girl and stopped her from being abducted. So it's like, it, it happens. These, uh, these predators, they get to people, not just in person, but they get them, you know, behind a computer screen, you know, so they're, they're targets in a different a lot of different ways and we just have to be able to like i said part of our mission not just to you know go out there and make a difference but also to educate people on you know what to look for and how do you do that what's the best way that you guys have found to educate families these children on understanding number one hopefully seeing this thing these kind of behaviors in advance so that when you're in ice cream line if anyone starts acting like that it, it's the stranger danger concept right what what does the care organization, you guys, what do you do on the education front in this particular regard? So for the education, I mean, just, you know, sharing facts. But one thing we're working on right now is actually creating video documentaries of actual traffic victims of what they went through and the signs that they've seen and now are aware of and letting the kids know about that. So we're gonna be, we're gonna be creating a whole training series on signs to look for, how to ask for help, how to get out of the situation, who to contact for help. It, it's going to be a huge, huge mission. It's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be from actual victims in all different categories of sex trafficking, whether it's from the cartels, whether it's from business owners, from parents. It, it's huge. It's a huge industry, and there's a lot of different angles to hit it at, but our video will cover a lot of it. And then do you give the, those videos, once, you, once they're done, do you guys envision those going to schools or what's the distribution pathway for for people to learn about this so our our vision is to actually be speaking at schools around the country you know doing i mean they have sex education training in schools right yep. why can't we have the same kind of training but to prevent sex you know prevent sex trafficking prevent you know those signs and truly teach what's really going on Yes. Oh, I, I agree. And I think it's so necessary. You know, we're trying to, on one side, this is my perception. I have, you know, my kids are all older and full grown adults now, but with the parents of little ones that I get to interact with, it seems like in schools as early as, you know, kind of middle to late elementary school, we're talking openly and freely about sex and sexuality, right? Not just sex education, but who we are as sexual beings and how we identify with genders and transgenders and all these things. 
but there's one piece that's never talked about and it's the the underbelly of all of that which is what we're talking about right now and the awareness of what can happen in the worst case scenario. So I applaud you guys for taking this on because I imagine it's not an easy conversation for you to go to a principal and say, hey, we wanna come into your, your school and visit with your kids about how to prevent them from being trafficked. I, I'm sure, in fact, I'd like to hear if you've, if you've gone that route, what are the feedback that you're getting from these administrators and principals, et cetera, of different educational institutions? A lot, a lot of people are excited about it. Um, one thing we've noticed is there's a lot of grooming going on in the schools these days, <laughs> right? And people that are, are for the grooming are actually fighting back on it because they're basically training the kids to be okay with this kind of stuff. You know, I hate to say it, but my kid is going to learn about sex when I'm ready for them to learn about sex. Not when the school feels like they're ready to learn about sex and transgenders and picking your sex and all this crap. That like I'm all about the Bible and there's a man and there's a woman, right? I hate to say it, but I'm old school. And I'm not going to let some professor or principal dictate what my kids are going to learn. And that's what we need to start fighting back for with these schools and getting that out of schools and teaching them the right things and how to prevent this kind of crimes from happening. Mm. Mm. And Ronnie, with your background, I know in finance, when you look at what you guys really want to do with the financial background that you have, is it to try to say, hey, listen, we're going to be taking this stuff. I, I love where you went with saying none of us is getting any money. This is all a labor of love for everyone on your board, everything. How do you decide what to do with the money? Because obviously you've got to fundraise and do all this thing and that's where you're an expert. How do you guys figure out how to distribute the funds, especially now that we're focusing on trafficking, like that's where your, your um, organization is right now. What do you do? What do you spend the money on? Well, like I think, uh... Like George said earlier, our goal, even though you probably saw our website and you saw the massive uh, bullet points of the different things that we want to target, we wanted to hit, we never wanted to be too specific, right? Because the, the needs come in different forms. Uh, the health comes in different fashions. But we don't want to dilute our purpose. You know, we want to focus and put all of our energy and our resources into one thing. And right now, that is victims of sex trafficking. That is victims of sexual abuse. Um, because it's something that is very close to us. You know, we work with a lot of group homes in the area and uh, these victims that are in these group homes, we've heard their stories. We've felt their pain, you know, and, and we know what it's like when even, you know, it's almost like when we come in, they look at us as like we're their guardian angels, like their saviors. And they, they cling to us because they're like, wow, I, I remember there's one girl that basically clung to George and said, like, please don't ever quit on us, you know, like everybody else has. Wow. And yeah, it was literally a very defining and touching moment. But realistically, um, we want to take all of our resources on really two things. Like I said, number one, it's to provide awareness, right? And awareness is going to come through different training programs, different educational videos, you know, different types of outreach within the community, you know, volunteer events and things like that. So that's going to be part one, but then part two, and, and I know we're going to talk about this as well, but the, the different programs and events that we're going to host, like the gala that's coming next month, well, all of those proceeds are going to be used to helping these victims of sex trafficking directly, you know, whether it's getting them off the streets and, you know, putting them into a safe living environment. We're just trying to take the most 
I guess this is the best way to phrase it, the most at-risk children right now and, and really put them, you know, get them outside of that dangerous environment and get them safe and, and, and loved and, and get them the resources and, that they need to have a good, satisfying, fulfilling life. So uh, to continue on that thread, when you look at who these most vulnerable children are, are those then like, because if you're, if you have to take someone out of the, we'll just call it the streets or the environment and put them into a safe place, then does that mean that you guys are supporting them in a group home and kind of paying for their way and making sure they have food and, and resources for education? Or is it, or maybe it goes to the other spectrum too, where you got a four-year-old that you find out or a five or a six-year-old and it's happening, they're not abducted, it's happening somewhere else and you have to try to get them out of that situation. You have to use legal fees. Like, is there is there a place where you guys decide what and how to, I mean, I know there is, but that you can explain and share with us? Because man, that's a, that's a, a really, like, that's a heavy topic. It yeah, is. That's a huge can of worms right there. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> no, you're, you're fine. So um, we work with Officer 360, um, and our goal is to actually open up several more group homes because there is a lack of beds where these kids have nowhere to go, and there's no funding to get them in. So our goal is to raise enough money so we can open up more group homes to get these kids safe. That's step one. Step two is to get the proper staff in those group homes that can properly take care of those kids and help them with the resources that they need while working with the state. The state does help a lot. Um, another thing we have is we have a couple of law firms we work with. Um, obviously, Carrie Ramos is a, an incredible you know, attorney. She's actually helping us with the legal things. Um, as far as some other law firms, when there's a child in need, we're gonna help go after and protect that kid. So we have several different avenues, but since we're on the ground floor of this, we need all the resources possible. So if anybody's willing to donate to help supply that, that good bed for that child, to help supply that legal support for that child, I mean, there's, there's many ways these resources can go. It's just a matter of people donating and helping. Ah, oh, I love that. Yeah, the needs, obviously, they come from us being able to talk to these people of influence, you know, like the, the group home directors or people that work with the state or people that are, are in the legal field. You know, uh, we, we, we keep those lines of communication open so that we understand where the greatest need is. You know, where can we make the biggest impact? You know, and, and, and realistically, like I said, our mission will never be, no, will never come to an end because as soon as we're done with one, we're going to keep going and moving on to the next. That's why our circle is not closed. We always try to keep a door open for kids. Yes. And in fact, I got to bring this up. This is such a cool, you guys have the most unique logo as far as the thought process behind it that I think I've ever seen in a business, at least that I've understood the, the story of the logo. Would you mind just taking a minute to, I mean, we can see the logo there. It's beautiful with the child's handprint care in there and then the, the broken circle. Can you talk about some of the colors and the reason for the handprint and the circle? I think that's amazing. I'd love to tell that story. Yeah, so I'll go into the actual, uh, the colors, the meanings and the, the logo and the symbolism behind it. And then I know George kind of touched upon it a little bit, but I'll have you, I'll have him expand on, on what that actually means. Um, so obviously we use the handprint um, because if you think about, you know, going back, you know, to kindergarten or first grade, or even when we were in preschool, almost every teacher, and I think my mom still has my uh, handprint at home when I was a child, but they always asked us to take our hands, you know, smear it with paint 
and then put it on you know a piece of paper so uh i'm just gonna tell you that really that's why we picked the handprint to begin with because it's a fond memory of most children you know and then every color has something that goes behind it so the blue that you see in that uh right there that if you think about the color blue blue is generally associated with calming uh, relaxation tranquility and peace and the reason we picked that is because we understand before you can help anybody before a child can even you know be assisted we have to give them peace there needs to be peace in their heart there needs to be peace in their mind um, so we have to make them feel calm so that's really why we picked the blue and then we did the orange because orange is generally thought to be the color of optimism. So we picked orange for that. The yellow harmonizes with orange because yellow is usually uh, enlightenment or creativity. So we picked that. The green, which is one of the last ones, is, is the uh, for balance and harmony. And then obviously the red symbolizes power. So what we did is we took all those colors and I'm just gonna read it right from our website. It says, with all five of the above, then we become empowered, able to grab onto life and to be able to create a bold future for these children. And then obviously the, the, the circle, the whole purpose of that is we left it open because we're never gonna close the door on anybody. You know, So if there's somebody that's in need, our door, our door is always open. So really that's the symbolism, symbolism behind it. But I do want George to touch on again, just really what the meaning of all this is. Yeah, so the logo is more than just a logo, right? The logo needs to stand for hope for these kids. When kids see this logo, they need to know that this is a safe place. This is a place where they can go for refuge and know that they're gonna have a 100% support, no matter what it is, even into their future. Because as kids, what happens as kids? We always tell our kids, you can be anything you wanna be, Right when you get older, you, you turn 15, hey, go to school, you can be anything you want. You turn 18, hey, go to college, you be anything you want. When you turn 21, hey, you can't do that. That's not for you, right? So our program is gonna help create entrepreneurship programs for these kids as well. You know, to follow other entrepreneurs in the field they wanna go to and have those resources. But this is a facility, this logo is a facility we actually wanna build in the future. And this is what it's gonna look like. Or the palm will be a the, the hospital we, we talked about where they can come there for treatments and all they need. Each finger represents a different wing of the facility for mental illness, um, dementia. I mean, any of these kids go through scoliosis, sex trafficking, anything that we can help them in, we want to help and have the resources there to help. The ring around it, though, is an apartment complex. And here's why. Because 95% of people live paycheck to paycheck. And when their child goes through something like this, like a cancer or any kind of traumatic experience, the parents have to take them to all the appointments, right? So who's ever making the least amount of money needs to quit their job to be able to fulfill the child's needs. But now there's financial tension. Now there's a tension to where the parents are fighting because of money, right? The kid sees that and they say, oh, mom and dad is fighting because of me. I'm the problem. If I'm not here, mom and dad won't be fighting no more. That's where the suicidal thoughts come into play, right? So we want to eliminate all that. So what we want to do is our mission is to find these families, fly them to stay on site where they can be with their immediate family. We cover all their expenses for the, for the medical, right? But while they're there, there's education programs for these kids to continue education while they're with their family. 
But in the meantime, while the parents are there fighting for their kid's life, they don't need to be losing their home and their car back home. So we want to be able to pay their mortgage and their car payments to keep it current while they're there fighting for their kid. Wow. That is a big vision. And me hearing it now for the second time directly from you guys is even more inspiring because of the fact of you're, you're trying to look at it comprehensively as a, in a 360 degree open circle, if you will, everything from the symbolism and what it means we're open to the surrounding apartments that are right there for these folks to come and stay with. And it's just so incredibly important that people know what you're doing and the heart that you're doing it with. I am, I'm fascinated by what you guys are creating here. And I'd like to know what drives you individually, what drives you both? And I know there's a spirit of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship and a, a desire to help children. But the vision that you're talking about, I think everyone watching or listening can learn something from you guys. And that's this, from where we are, to where we want to go. If we have those big visions, those big dreams, whether it's helping children or building our career or um, getting a college education or whatever it might be, if it's big enough, there's a big gap from one place where we start to the next. And you guys are at the beginning of the road from the bigger picture of that complex being done. What keeps you motivated? What could, what keeps the fire burning? And what of those lessons could our, our viewers and our listeners take in their big dream and to support you in yours? For mine, it, it really is, I'd say two things that drive me. You know, number one, it's, it's, it's being able to be a blessing to other people. Like there's no greater satisfaction in the world than to help somebody. Like I've never met somebody that helps somebody and says, man, I feel miserable after doing that, <laughs> right? That's like, that's never, that's never the case. Um, and I, I, I truly believe that wealth isn't defined by your status or your materials or the square footage of your house or the car that you drive, right? I was always told this one um, quote, actually, he's the one that gave it to me, but uh, it's, it's actually really good and I think it'll really resonate. He says, if you want to know how rich you are, don't count your money, drop your tears and see how many hands reach out to hold them. Mm. And wow, is yeah, it's it's a really big one that's really stuck with me, you know, for my entire life. And it, it truly means that I want to give. I want to be able to better people's lives. I want people to look back and be like, man, they did something good for the world. You know, it, it is that. And then the second thing, really, it is my faith. You know, it is my faith. It's, it's always been about, you know, being, you know, like Jesus and being able to give back and, and to help out and, and to make a difference in people's lives. I don't really care. Like if people don't love me, it doesn't matter, but I love them, you know, and I just want to be able to kind of resonate that message to to the entire world and to, to put good out there, because uh, let's be honest, again, there's just a lot of stuff going on in the world that's not good, you know, a lot of corruption, a lot of evil, a lot of selfishness, you know, in the world. And I, I just want to be able to be on the opposite side of that and, and to do something good. And I know that. You know, again, someone just like me individually might not be able to do it. But guess what? I found someone that's like me that also wants to do it. And through him, we're going to find more people and we're going to build an army of people that are like minded that want to go out and make a difference in this world. So as long as that keeps happening, 
I'm going to show up every day and give my 150,000%. I love it. And this is on top of what you guys do for work. Like this is, this is your passion project and your mission, your vision, but you're still busy providing for your families and doing good for the world, for the consumers that, that you guys serve. George, what about you? What's that driving force that, from your perspective that keeps you going on this particular part of your life? Wow, it's, there's so many, but I mean, if you have a good heart, right? Have you ever looked at a kid crying that can't help themselves and you just wanna be able to help them? Well, there's millions of kids like that around the world and their, their tears are being hidden by the evil. So we're trying to get to that point and actually help those kids directly. My, my driving force is, you know, I've always been raised to be a good person, you know, give back. And I feel like all the success I've had, you know, my family and we come from nothing, but it's all because God will continue to bless the people that uses blessings to help others. So mm. I look at it as the money I'm making, is not my money, it's God's money, right? All that money is to help his people. So how many people can we help? And it's one of my models is when you die, people are not gonna remember you for how much money you made. They're not gonna remember you for the car you drove or where you lived, you know, and your status quo. They care about how many people have you touched? Who's gonna remember your name when you're gone, right? Not for the, the 30 days that, he, that you're gone, but the lifetime. I mean, look at late Kobe Bryant. The man was an incredible basketball player, but look what he did for the world. When he passed, the world stopped because he made a difference, you know, on and off the basketball court, you know, and that's the kind of legacy we want to live is how can we help the world see greatness? How can we help the world see kindness and turn their, turn their face away from the evil because it's easy to make dirty money. It's easy to hurt kids, but it's also easy to do the opposite. Man. Right? So we're trying to steer people away from that. So powerful. You guys both mentioned families throughout our time together. How involved are your families in this? Is this something for children that you have at whatever age? Is this, is this something that they're also involved in, in, in helping ease the suffering of other children? Or is this something that you guys say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of keeping you away from this a little bit so that you don't have to see the suffering. How, how do you guys go about philosophically bringing in your loved ones into this mission? So our whole family is involved in this, right? Ronnie and I created it, we're the face of it, but this, there is no care without our families, right? Because it all comes down from our parents. Our parents taught us care. They taught us how to be good people. So if it really comes down to it, it's our parents that actually started this foundation by teaching us the right principles. Not us. You know, so, my brother, Dr. Mike and Dimitri, they're involved in it too, but they're on the background of it. Um, and we're basically all doing this together, right? And this is, this is important for our, our family's kids to see what's going on because yeah, they may live a good life, but they need to see what's really going on out there because as kids, kids talk to each other, right? So they need to be able to spot out what's going on. And if they know somebody that's having problems at home, they can bring it to our attention so we can go the background helping fix it and, and saving these kids. So I feel like it's important that all children are involved in this, whether they're in danger or not in danger, because kids need other kids to turn to as well. That way they feel like there's a bond. That way they feel support. And that way they feel they're not alone. So it's important that we get all kids involved because kids lean on each other. And I have a seven-year-old daughter. 
So she's in second grade and she's my world. You know, mm -hmm. I, I look at her and, and, and I melt easily. So I, I see the things that she goes through, even at a young age, you know, she's, she's so intelligent, you know, and she's so pure. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, she knows how to operate a computer or a laptop. And I remember at seven, better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I said, it's like, I, I remember just trying to put blocks, you know, the square peg that's in the circle, you know, it, so these, these, they're growing intelligent a lot more quickly than we ever evolved. So I want to make sure she's prepared. I want her to have a good life. I want her to be able to grow up in a safe world, you know, and, you know, anything that I can do, maybe I, I can't get it to 100%, but if I can move the bar, you know, and make this a safer environment, give her, a, you know, great friends and a backyard that just she can run back in there and not have to worry. You know, if I could just make the smallest little bit of difference, isn't that worth it? And to me, it absolutely is. I agree. Absolutely worth it. And I think what else is worth it is the way that you guys have gone about making a statement of individuality through the collective. And here's what I mean by that. On the website, there's a quote that I had to write down. It was so beautiful. It says, one person can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. Explain that thought. And it's obvious. We all know what it means. And you've, you've been shining de and demonstrating that out through our conversation thus far. Can you just give people a little bit more taste of that concept? Because obviously that's what it takes to create a, a vision, mission, and then fulfill it with something like you guys are talking about. Have you ever read the book Compound Effect? I have. Darren Hardy. Great book. One of my favorites. But that's where that quote comes in handy from. Because if you try to help a thousand people, it, it, you can't. You don't have enough time in a day. You don't have enough resources to help a thousand people, right? In a 24 hour day. But if you help one person who then helps one person who then helps one person at compounds, right? And that's where that, that comes in handy is because if you help one person see good in people and see kindness and love that feeling, imagine what they do when they get to experience that feeling helping someone else. And it creates a butterfly effect of helping people. And that's what we want to do is we want to help everybody learn how to not worry about helping everybody, help one person change their life, help one person see good, because you don't know what people are going through. You don't know what they're hiding behind that smile. And by showing kindness and helping somebody, you can change someone's life who then turns around and changes a bunch of other people's lives. What's that one quote used to say? I'd rather have 1% of 100 people's efforts than 100% of my own yeah. or something like that. So it's like, yes. it, it really is, is, is that resonating, you know, ripple effect that we want to make on people. And, you know, by putting our, the word out there, by talking about what care does and what our mission is and what our value is, you know, generically, just, uh, I, I'm not generic, naturally, people just start to inquire, what can I do? How can I help? You know, and, and, you know, those people, you know, just taking a genuine interest in trying to help through our message, through our cause, or our people that we never probably would have interacted with before, you know, until we did come up with the care organization. So we do want to use that as a portal to reach out to people as well, not just the victims, but people that are interested in wanting to make a difference in this world. Yes. And, you know, speaking of that, you guys are making a difference, like you had mentioned earlier, through the efforts that you're doing to push education into the system so that people can learn more. You also want to build group homes and create all this other stuff. And that takes money. That takes cash. 
So I want you to talk now as we kind of bring this thing to a close, how people can help and get involved. I know you have a great gala coming up here next month. I want, to, I want you to talk about that because I'm super excited because of what you guys have created here. Uh, I want to talk about that. And also just if someone wants to volunteer or if they want to give up their time, talent, or treasures in some way, is there a way that they can do that with you? Do they contact someone? And just give us the ways that, that the community at large can help get behind you and put that wind into your sails. Yeah, so I mean, there are several different ways. The first way is our gala, September 24th. It's a huge event. We have some of the best people in Arizona coming. Um, I mean, Carrie Ramos, who's an incredible woman, she's actually helping us put it on. You know, as busy as she is, it's incredible that she's, you know, helping so much. But that's one way of helping is helping support the gala. Purchase your ticket September 24th. Um, if you go to our website, thecareorg.com, you can sign up for a one-time donation. You can sign up for monthly donations and you can start at $10 a month. $10 a month may not change your life, but it can help change someone else's. So that's important to help do that. Um, if you wanna volunteer, you wanna get involved and, and learn more, um, you can email me directly, ceo at thecareorg.com and we'll find a way to help you know, in every area that you wanna volunteer in. And it's, it's incredible because once you start volunteering an hour, hour here and there, you start getting a bigger heart for these kids and seeing truly what they're going through, then who knows, that person might know someone else who might know someone else who ends up helping buy a group home, you know, donate a house to support these kids. And there's just several different ways of helping and connecting. Um, it all starts with just asking questions at first. Beautiful. So here's my final question. For each of you, you're obviously character-driven individuals, you're highly driven individuals, and I know that you also are faith-based individuals. Is there one piece of advice that you've either learned along the way or that someone shared with you that has helped you become the strong men of character that you've become that you would be willing to share with me and with our audience so that we can look at bringing that into our own lives? Well, there's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I would say people need to stop looking at a bad moment as a bad day. Right? People are like, oh, I had such a bad day. No, you didn't have a bad day. You have a weak mindset because you had a bad moment that ruined your whole day, right? And people think, oh, I got it so bad. You don't have it that bad because no matter how bad you think you have it, someone else has it way worse, right? And people need to become humble and this cancel culture needs to stop. You know, the weakness, the weak-minded people need to stop. You gotta help grow people's mindsets and understand that what we're doing as a world is hurting a lot of people. And we need to come together and let people voice their opinions. Let people have the courage to voice their opinions and not worry about being canceled or pushed down on. That, that's important. So I feel like people need to stop thinking they have it so bad. Stop judging everybody with their opinions and say, hey, that's your opinion. Why is that your opinion? Learn more about why they think certain ways because it could have been past traumas. It could have been past experiences. So it's important to people will stop judging and start asking more questions. Ah, thank you for that, George. Ronnie, what about you? I am gonna, I actually wrote this this morning. So when you ask that question, oh, wow. I, um, it's, it's not that long, so I'm just gonna read it to you, but it really yeah. does kind of resonate. It says, there's no looking back at yesterday. I am no longer the person I was back then. Every morning when the sun rises, I am a changed person, changed by the experiences I've had, the lessons I've learned and the love that I've received. It's time to move forward and embrace the life I've been given 
be grateful for the many blessings that have been bestowed upon me and start living a life of passion. There will always be ups and downs, good times and bad, losses and gains. Life is all about learning lessons, showing love in the process, and growing into the beautiful souls we are meant to become. Don't let yesterday rob you of your happiness today. Every time the sun rises, it's a new opportunity to make your life the best of your life. Enjoy the moment. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I, uh, that's kind of one of the things that I, I, I truly believe in. So it is a lot of that, and it is a lot of what George said. And I'm going to just say one more thing as far as what really helped me. It's who was in my ear. It's who was in my circle. It's who was in my life. I, 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 I for a while, I felt like I was around the wrong people that took me the wrong direction in life. And they weren't aligned with my values. They weren't aligned with my goals. And those are people that I had to unfortunately kind of snip you know, from my life and remove them from my circle so that people like George can make his way in. Because if, it, you know, George resonates love, and that's why I can say he's my best friend and my brother, because he genuinely cares about me and my well-being. And it's the same thing. I wouldn't, you know, I'd, I'd give up anything for him. So if you can find those type of people that, you know, share that same belief, that share, same vision, that same heart, your life is just going to open up just like this. Doors will open up. Opportunities will be presented to you. So I would just also kind of make sure, you know, are you investing in yourself and who are you surrounding yourself with? Oh, gentlemen, this was podcast gold for me. I loved it so much. And just who you are as humans warms my heart and soul. So um, please know that we are behind you in your efforts and we love your spirit and I hope if you're listening or watching this, that you feel the, the connection to them that they have with these kids and that you'll support them in whatever way that you can, whatever moves your heart to do something with these fine gentlemen. And, and guys, please know that you can always reach out to me to help. And um, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. I wish you continued success in everything you do in your life. And I, I just cannot thank you enough for helping the kids. So be blessed, be well, and like everyone else out there, man, I hope you guys keep making a difference. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you tremendously.